Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with the book of Isaiah. And as we go through this, we are now in chapter 29, where uh, God is speaking to Israel or Judah and is going to contrast uh, what false religion is or uh, religion that's just on the surface with what true religion is. And so we're in chapter 29, verses 11 and following. And Taylor, if you would read that for us, that would be wonderful. Let's read the word of the Lord together. All the future events in this vision are like a sealed book to them. When you give it to those who can read, they will say, we can't read it because it's sealed. When you give it to those who cannot read, they'll say, we don't know how to read. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Because of this, I will once again astound these hypocrites with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away and the intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. What sorrow awaits those who try to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their evil deeds in the dark. The Lord can't see us, they say. He doesn't know what's going on. How foolish can you be? He is the potter and he is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say to the one who made it, he didn't make me. Does a jar ever say, the potter who made me is stupid. Soon, and it will not be very long, the forests of Lebanon will become a fertile field, and the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. In that day, the deaf will hear words read from a book, and the blind will see through the gloom and darkness. The humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. The poor will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The scoffer will be gone. The arrogant will disappear, and those who plot evil will be killed. Those who convict the innocent by their false testimony will disappear. A similar fate awaits those who use trickery to pervert justice and who tell lies to destroy the innocent. That is why the Lord, who redeemed Abraham, says to the people of Israel, My people will no longer be ashamed to turn or turn pale with fear. For when they see their many children and all the blessings I have given them, they will recognize the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob. They will stand in awe of the God of Israel. Then the wayward will gain understanding. The complainers will accept instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, as I mentioned, this is kind of a contrast between true and false religion. In fact, that we didn't cover verse one, but verse one starts off by uh, mentioning these are people who year after year celebrate the feasts. So they're involved in the uh, calendar uh, uh, worship of God, all the kind of rituals that you need to go through. You know, later on it says they, they learn the rules by rote. So they go through the motions, but their their hearts aren't in it. And, uh, and in verse 13, God says that, you know, their worship of me is man-made. It's artificial. It's not truly of God. Their hearts, it's translated hearts here, but in, in Hebrew, this is one of those things I, I constantly like to point out to people that when we see the word heart, uh, for the Hebrew mind, the heart is the center of your being. It's where what we would think of as the mind and the will and the emotions all come together. It's, you know, if you pull on the heart, you pull on everything. And so it's not just what your feelings are, but it's the way you think. It's it's the things that you lend your effort to. So it's it's your whole person. And so their hearts are far from God. So we don't pay attention to God. We don't devote our time. We don't um, we don't do anything except go through the motions that are necessary in the moment. So that's the, the first mark of this kind of false 
faith is that it's just surface level. It goes through the motions. There's the appearance of spirituality, but nothing underneath the surface. The, the second one in verse 15 is that it goes beyond just being surface level. It goes to there being hypocrisy in the heart. There's these evil deeds that are done in the darkness. And so the faithfulness on the outside is really just a show. And there's this, now I don't think people like literally thought God can't see, but the way their lives are lived, it's as if they're they're living out a belief, a false belief that God can't see. And I don't think people would actually think that, but there is a way in which oftentimes when we live in ways that are contrary to God and yet go through the motions on the surface, we're really living as if we think that God can't see what's going on, that we're somehow fooling God. And then in the closing of this uh, passage, there's uh, talking about this day that's coming when, you know, the the, the uh, forest will be f- fertile fields. Things are going to be great. The humble are going to be humble are going to be filled with uh, joy and the poor are going to rejoice. And then it even adds that, you know, God's people will no longer have to live in shame and fear and they will see the holiness of God. And this is the real kind of contrast with the false religion rather than their hearts not being in it says that they're going to stand in awe of God. So they're going to be not just mindful of God, but overcome with God. And then rather than being resistant to God's instruction, it says that the, they, even the wayfarer, even the, uh, the wayward person and the scoffer will become, uh, will gain true understanding and instruction. Um, you know, uh, about that last piece about, uh, accepting instruction, Oftentimes, I think when people think of the word uh, humble or humility, it's kind of hard for us to understand. We usually, we, we know that morally it's supposed to be positive, but we, we think of it, or at least I feel like culturally, I think of it as kind of um, being lowly in, in a bad kind of way. And, and so one person pointed out to me once that a great synonym for humility is teachability, the ability to mm-hmm. learn. Um, and that's really what it's talking about here is that the, the, even the wayward and the scoffer are going to gain true understanding and, and instruction. And if you think about it, you know, a proud person can't learn. It's only in humility that we begin to see that we have something to learn and that maybe we've made a mistake and need to change direction. And we have a need to grow. A close cousin of uh, humility then is curiosity mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, it's, it's maybe a child of humility. Curiosity says that I have something to learn and I'm eager to know more. Something my dad loved to say to me whenever we tried to point out his mistakes, <laughs> he would just flip it around kind of like judo, flip it back on us and just say, thank you for pointing out where I'm wrong. Now I'm one step closer to right. And it was just <laughs> bug us. But it was really a great lesson at the same time, even though it really irked us at the time. That's the essence, I think, of true religion is this is this humility, this curiosity, this teachability, this eagerness to see where God wants to lead us and to recognize that, you know, when we when God does show us we are wrong, we can then be one step closer to right. Uh, Taylor, I'm wondering what you see in this passage and and how it applies to us, uh, you know, here 2700 or more years. Odd years later. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could do the math. We could probably do the math and get pretty correct, uh, uh, close to correct. You know, uh, well, two two quick things, and then and then maybe the main thing I want to talk about. One is, um, you talk about the Hebrew word for 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 like heart and mind, lev or levav is is like is that Hebrew word. And I I just want to note that like we all kind of conceptually get that like the heart is not actually a place where emotions exist. Like that's like it's just an organ that pumps blood. But mm-hmm. there's this common misconception like that we can look back at like ancient 
societies and like kind of think that they lacked wisdom because they didn't yet have quite the same depth of scientific discovery that we do. But I would just say they kind of get it in a way by saying like there's this integration between emotion and rationality that I think we actually struggle with more in the modern era. So I just want to name that, that I think like the Hebrews kind of got it uh, in a way that we struggle to. Um, also, I just can't, could not help but think of that scene in Ted Lasso where if you know, if you've seen it where they're in, mm -hmm. in the bar and he talks about, you know, where they're going to throw the darts and he's like, you just weren't curious enough. Like, did mm. I mean, know how to throw darts my whole <laughs> life practicing with my dad? And then he just schools the guy. Sorry, spoilers. It's been out for a couple of years at this point. If you haven't watched it, that's yeah, it's past the but, statute of limitations. Yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, I guess. But I just think about that scene about that, like judgmentalism and, and curiosity are, are the opposite sides of, of the spectrum. Like, yeah, he doesn't stop to consider that someone might have something over him or might be able to do something better. Yeah. Anyways, um, when I think about a modern parallel to this text about like kind of putting on a show or going through the motions, um, I've heard so many times in pastoral ministry folks who, uh, particularly when they when they just start to have kids and they've been out of church for a long time, they come back and they say like, well, we wanted to raise our kids in church. And like always cringe because it's like, yeah, on one hand, yeah, I'm glad you're here. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, always happy people come into church, but it seems I'm like, like raising your, your child in church is not the same as raising your child in Christ. It's just not the same thing. And um, so I, I look at it and I say, like, there are these modern parallels. There are these uh, of, of this. And it's not just other people. I mean, I find myself, um, particularly as as a pastor, like I find that the the uh, the temptations to go through the motions are can be really high. Sometimes like a cynical way I've heard fellow pastors refer to this and I've used this term myself as like as a professional Christian. And there are times when it's like, you you know, you got to get up on Sunday morning and kind of present something and you're, you're like, you know, I'm just, I'm having a rough day. Like uh, someone cut me off on the way in here or I didn't get a good, good night's sleep or I'm just grumpy or like, I just don't want to really be here. But it's like, how can you be authentic in that? And so I, on like a very small scale, maybe. I wrestle with this of like, what does it mean to do things that are rote? Like, how does that, how does that land in God's ears? Like, yeah, I might be able to fool the people in front of me that I'm not really feeling it this morning, but God's not fooled. And I just, I wonder about that sometimes when I think about how much more would it please God if I just, if we were just honest in our affect and in our, or if I was just honest in where I was, where I'm, where I'm at in that moment. Um, but I think there are all sorts of modern pressures or, or social pressures that we feel to, to kind of put on a show. And I, I think this is a good text to remind us, like, well, first of all, God's just not fooled. Uh, and, and secondly, you know, the things that God desires for us and how we live our lives, um, you know, often our worship is supposed to reflect that and not be and, 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 and not be, a, a, you know, a funhouse mirror of, oh, that does not actually like the words we say in the liturgies and and the prayers we pray and the songs we sing on Sunday morning, like. Does that really reflect my Monday through Saturday? Uh, like that, I guess that's a that's a challenging question because you know I think about this text like this text really reminds me too of the Amos text, of uh, the famous text of uh, of you know of God re reacting in disgust to a worship that isn't mirrored in actual practice and that there's injustice. But God says you know I desire justice that it would flow forward like a or flow down like a river, and. Um, yeah, so I, I think this is a powerful text in terms of warning us, and it's a convicting text for me uh, when it comes to the question of of kind of how easy it is to put on a show. Can can, can we truly act as if God can't see? I, I think you're right. You know, we don't we don't 
we wouldn't say, oh, you know, God, I can actually hide from God theologically, but practically, my goodness, how many times a week do I do that? Uh, I, I'm ashamed to say how many. I, I don't know if I even count. I think any time we sin, any time I do something uh, that doesn't honor God, is it in some way forgetting that God is here and God can see? Um, so anyways, those are the ways I wrestle with it. Um, mm. Too many to uh, uh, to list and uh, yeah. Yeah, as, as you're mentioning that, I think thinking a, a related idea. Um, Carl Jung, the the great psychoanalyst, uh, wrote that um, religion can be or is often a defense against truly religious experience. Mm. The idea being that we can be afraid of the things going on underneath the surface, uh, in the you know kind of the deep parts of who we are, and so religion can be a way that we can hide in plain sight. We can go through the motions and assuage all those deeper, darker questions, and then actually, because of that, actually not address what's going on in our inner lives. We can use religion in a way to stay at the surface, uh, which is kind of ironic. You're using it for exactly the opposite purpose, rather than becoming, you know, like in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and show me my innermost parts, right? Like instead of that, we're, we're actually using it to hide, God, hide uh, from God because we're kind of in plain sight. Anyway, um, Taylor, I love what you had to say. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to pray for us that we would have this kind of genuineness with God and with one another and with ourselves. Oh, I'd be honored to. Let's pray. Jesus, how great is it that you love us right now, just as we are, and that you also love us so much that you refuse to leave us as we are. Would you give us courage this morning and today? to come to you in that spirit, just honestly as we are, and with deep trust that you are not done with us yet, that you love us, you are for us, and you are calling us into a deeper way of living that blesses us and our neighbors and brings honor and glory to you. That is where true life lives. That is where we will find you, and that is where we will experience real and abundant hope. May this be true of us today. All this we pray in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Taylor. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I hope that you're able to get a little bit more real with yourself and with God today. Um, remember that God eagerly seeks uh, to have that kind of connection with you. So go in peace. <laughs>